Man, we're nerds. That's confirmed. Lots of good episodes. We've got a whole page of good stuff. Cinematic masterpiece. Cinematography. We've got half a page of nitpicks. I feel like we've grown as a podcast. Like a fungus. This is good because it makes me think. Just the creativity of putting this together. It's a science experiment. And it's going to be funny. Fun for the whole family. The most professional podcast on the internet. Keep doing whatever makes you a discerning geek. The Discerning Geeks Portal. Greetings, Discerning listeners, and welcome to another reality-bending, gravity-defying episode of the Discerning Geeks Portal. My name is Todd. I know that you can't get from Charing Cross to Greenwich in only three stops. And joining me, as always, are two guys that go together like thunder and lightning. It's Dave and Andrew. Guys, how's it going? I think you mean love and thunder, Todd. Da, da, da. Uh, yeah, that, that's the fourth movie. <laughs> <laughs> Doing good, doing good. Happy to be here. Glad to be talking about another movie. So yeah, it's a good day. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of been a while. And uh, at the time that we're recording this, we're rapidly approaching Dragon Con. Are you guys getting excited? Yup. I really am. I wish they'd kind of hurry up and finalize things. I felt like I got teased this week with the app, but then it was like, well, not really. <laughs> yeah it's like the app is ready but it just has dummy variables in it it yeah uh, and then of course everybody is joking that the uh what is it I, I can't even remember whatever the standby thing is they have in there right now it's like every panel it has the same name and i think right, terry yeah. gilliam is a guest about 20 times and everybody's like wow terry gilliam is going to get really exhausted and i can't wait to go to this new uh whatever it is panel that, that is repeated so much but uh, yeah, I wish they would hurry up and get the data too, especially since this is really weird for me. I usually have a lot of choices every year. And this year I've really, I don't know, the guest list is a little weak by my standards. And that might be my own fault because I don't watch as many TV shows or, or as many movies as I used to. So I'm not quite as into some of the possible guests they could have, but um, yeah. But it'll be different with you guys going this year anyway. So um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. I need to get away. For all the special guests you need, Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, and there are a few Stargate guests that are, that are coming, so that's good. Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, uh, all right, I guess we'll get started uh, with our review for tonight. I forgot to ask before we started. Am I doing the uh, rundown? I I've think I am because I already had it prepared, right? You've got one. Go for it. Well, if you got one, you can go ahead and, and I might uh, fill in just a few extra little facts when you're done. Okay. Yeah, no problem. All right. So today, tonight, we are reviewing Thor The Dark World, two Thor movie. The ancient enemy of the Asgardians, the Dark Elves, are revived after Jane Foster unwittingly revives the Aether a powerful weapon that can bring darkness to the nine realms um, as the planets or realms align. Never really did understand how that worked. But anyways, and of course, this brings Thor and all of his compatriots to the rescue. Thor The Dark World is starring Chris Hemsworth, of course, as Thor, Natalie Portman, Jane Foster, Todd Hiddleston as Loki, and then we get into a whole bunch of other people. Stellan Skarsgård, Idris Elba, Christopher Eccleson, Adewal Akinoi Agbaje. Not even sure if that's close, but we'll go with it. Uh, I skipped him. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Stevenson, Zachary Levi, Tadanobu Asanu, Jamie Alexander, Rene Russo, Anthony Hopkins, Jonathan Howard. We got all the, the Thor cast back together and we get to see some of the Thor's family. Same politics, Loki's being the bad guy, but a little bit switch change here. Did I miss anything that you wanted to add, Todd? 
the one name that you had the most trouble with, I was like, you know what? His role is kind of minor. I'm just not going <laughs> to, not going to bother with that one. Um, and I, it, I think I've seen that name before. That guy does get some work in Hollywood. So he is a, a pretty somewhat well-known actor, but I, I was just like, I'm definitely going to butcher that name. And some of these others are, are hard enough. Uh, so yeah, just a few things to add. So Thor, the dark world was also released on November 8th, 2013 with a rating of PG 13. It was written by Christopher Yost, Christopher Marcus, and Stephen McFeely. Uh, Christopher Yost also co-wrote Thor Ragnarok. And then Marcus and McFeely, I think they're a writing team that often work together. They also co-wrote all three Captain America movies, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame. They also provided finishing touches to the Guardians of the Galaxy script and were the creators and executive producers of the Agent Carter TV show. Uh, outside the MCU, they also co-wrote all three Chronicles of Narnia movies. Um, and we have reviewed the first Captain America movie and the first Chronicles of Narnia movie here on our podcast. And I don't have the numbers right in front of me, the episode numbers, but uh, scroll through all of our episodes. You never know. There might be something out there you might like. And this movie was directed by Alan Taylor. And where can you find it? Of course, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's also on Stars and DirecTV. Um, and Dave, you mentioned some names along the way. Um, for one thing, did you say Todd Hiddleston or Tom Hiddleston? Oh, I think you I'll, said. Oh, I, I may think, have. I think, <laughs> we I may think, have I think you said Tom. Track. I don't know. <laughs> but it's Tom, it's Tom Hiddleston. And of course, he got his own TV show. Christopher Eccleston is known as the ninth doctor from Doctor Who. Uh, Natalie Portman did return in Thor Love and Thunder, which was the fourth Thor movie to come out in the theaters recently. And then, of course, Kat Dennings also returned to the MCU in WandaVision. Oh, that's right. So I'll be honest. uh, I do not have a format for this one. Uh, I probably should have because it's been a while since uh, we watched this and, and we weren't able to record right away. So I probably should have been more prepared. But to be honest, I'm not totally sure what to say about this movie myself. I don't have a ton to say about it, even though I kind of like this movie. I have hardly any notes about it. So I think we're just going to make this a bit of a free for all anyway. And I'll make I'll cheat and make it easy on myself and start with you guys. What do you guys think about this movie? Uh, I don't know. It's just not up to the level that a Marvel movie should be. There's a certain standard I hold my Marvel movies as. And, you know, National Treasure, I expect to be falling asleep to, but I just kept falling asleep to this movie. It was just so boring. There was nothing going on. There was nothing that really looped me in. And I don't know about y'all, but Jane Foster always kind of seemed underwhelming to me. And this dark and serious Thor never really captivated me. So nothing about the movie really stuck with me. Uh, I feel like we need to do a deep psychoanalysis of Andrew's fear of powerful women. (laughs) (laughs) Why we got to run on Jane Foster? She's like the the best part of the Thor universe. Like she is the redeeming value. Mm. The more she's in a movie, the Thor movie, the better it is. Uh, no, because Ragnarok was the best Thor movie and she was nowhere in sight. No, no. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I think the first time I watched this, I was not real impressed. I was like, okay, hmm. That was one of the weaker ones. The more I've watched it, and I watched it twice, because once a few weeks ago when we were prepping for this review, and then once just very recently, the more I thought, this is a great movie. There's a lot here. This is a lot of fun. There's still parts that aren't great. We've talked about it in the past. You know, the the depth of a good superhero movie is usually your villain, and your villain here is is paper thin. But other than that, I mean, we get some cool stuff with Thor and his family and his love life, not to mention some cool scenes with people back on Earth, all of uh, Jane's friends with, uh, oh, shoot, the, the, is his name, what was the, the, the scientist who goes crazy um, <laughs> because Loki was in his head in the first movie? Uh, I mean, uh, Dr. Selvig, Eric Selvig. Eric, yeah. 
Um, I mean, I, it's just cool. I, I actually, this movie is is probably moving up for me the more that I've watched it. All right, Dave. You said the villain was paper thin, right? Yeah. Now I've heard you say not once, not twice, but like fifty times on this podcast that the <laughs> villain is what makes the superhero movie. It is traditionally explain like can you elaborate on how that doesn't bring down this movie to like almost an F for you? It does well because there's so much other character development. You know, as long as there's character development, you know, even a, a thin villain can help motivate the people and develop them and develop their characters. And and we get to see some characters do some pretty cool stuff in this. I really did enjoy it. Now, like I said, does it take it down a little bit it does because you know the the villain you, you need a good strong villain and, and it does take it down when you don't have that but there was enough other stuff going on that was unrelated thor's relationships with his family with his brother with his girlfriend this was more of a relationship movie than it was a a superhero movie which is probably why you know it gets kind of lower marks in the the superhero marvel mcu world people don't go to those movies to, to have feelings they go there to to see somebody kick butt and there's some kicking butt but overall that wasn't the point of this movie and i think that's why it probably kind of runs a little low for some people as far as when they're rating it on the scale but as far as character development goes you get more out of this than you do you know the first guardians of the galaxy movie don't you dare (laughs) you take that back oh okay uh, Todd, please take it away. I, I need a moment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, just to touch on a few things that you said, uh, I think it was when we did Iron Man 2 that I looked up, I think, 18 different sites out there that ranked all 28 of the Marvel MCU movies up until that point. I think at that point it did not include uh, the second Doctor Strange movie, I think, was not in there yet. And then I averaged them all together. And out of those average ranks, Thor The Dark World is third from the bottom. Um, And it usually is near the bottom for almost all of them. I think, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think maybe one or two different sites might have rated it a little bit higher. Somebody might even have it in the top 10 or something. But for the most part, it was ranked pretty low. The weird thing is, it's ranked higher than The Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2. And I I don't know about that. Uh, Actually, yeah, I have Iron Man 2 higher and then i don't have my list uh filtered on other mcu movies at the moment but i think i would agree that thor the dark world is near the bottom is probably is in my bottom five or bottom six or whatever um it's not one of the better ones but it is still good and i do still technically like it um i think Andrew, I almost agree with you. You said that this is a very boring movie. I don't know if I would go so far as to say it's boring, but I think I also agree with Dave a little bit in one of the weaknesses. To me, it's very forgettable because I didn't get to, for whatever reason, I did not get to watch this all in one sitting. For some reason, I watched a little bit of it and then I can't remember. I might have fallen asleep too, but I, I don't even blame the movie. I was, I think I was low on sleep that night or something. And I had to finish watching it the next day. So the next day I started watching it, but then I had to stop for a second and think, wait, what is this movie about again? <laughs> and then as I was watching it, it got to the, the part that's in London, which I, which I really like. And then I think somewhere around that time, I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, it's getting to the London part. But then I started thinking, wait, what is this movie about again? And then I got done watching the movie and um, we didn't get to record for it right away. But just in case uh, I was the one that did the rundown, I did do a summary for it. And as I was getting ready to write the summary, I stopped and thought, wait, what was this movie about again? And I actually had to look it up. So I forgot what this movie was about, about three or four times while I was supposedly immersed in it. It is a very 
forgettable movie. And Dave, you already touched on it a little bit. The uh, the villain isn't that great. And he kind of helps make it forgettable. But I do think the movie has some redeeming qualities. Uh, so maybe we ought to... Uh, I know that we, in season three, we're, we're not intentionally segregating the, the good stuff and the bad stuff. But since we have already ragged on the movie a little bit, let's try to steer in the positive and talk about some of the positive things. Dave, you already talked about some of the character development. Um, Andrew, do you have anything positive or do you want me to try to go for a positive? If I, if I remember it correctly, the opening scene was kind of cool. You know, just Thor doing lightning stuff. We don't always get the most of lightning I, stuff out of Thor. So that was always cool. To I, see. I forgot what the opening scene was. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was the opening like scene. Was. battle and then Thor just swoops in and like all these guys are just trying to – he takes out the big rock guy. Remember? Oh, right, right. And what's interesting there is that – then in uh, the third movie, and again in the fourth movie, there's a kind of side character that comes from that same race of rock people. Yeah, that was funny. That's a positive, just Thor using lightning powers, which is always cool. It's it's definitely a movie, and <laughs> it's definitely got the moving pixels and stuff, and you know, that's a plus, so that's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, I've got a positive that I'll throw out there. And like I said, I did not take a whole lot of notes in this movie. So other than the parts that take place in London, it's my only other positive, uh, which is I like the various ways that it uses things like gravity, position, teleportation, and other forces as weapons. I thought that was really cool. And so even though this movie is forgettable it is kind of original in some ways too and i think that might stand out amongst some of the other movies where you just have people punching each other which granted there's a little bit of that in this one too but then you've got all all of the you know gravity and anti-gravity and things being lighter than air so that even a normal human can throw a car at somebody and teleportation so you're throwing something at somebody but it doesn't hit them because it goes somewhere else but then it comes back through a portal and hits somebody and it's just all of that stuff is kind of neat um so did you guys uh, like that or or did did not register much for you I think part of, and this is part of that kind of almost being forgettable, part of the issue with this movie, and, and I'm going to kind of put it in a, in a positive and a negative, is in some ways, I want to kind of say the science in general, because I think the science is neat. We get to walk into a place where there's a dump truck and it's just kind of like sitting there floating in the air and the kids are spinning it and there's these kids playing and dropping stuff down a, a staircase and it just keeps falling. And that's like really cool. But at the same time, there's no real explanation or reason. I mean, we know that it has to do with this alignment of the nine world, nine realms, but it, there's not really an explanation for it. So it's not like we get into the science and we kind of begin to understand, oh, this is what's going on and why it's all happening. And and in some ways that's okay because I don't know that it matters that we know why it's happening. But I think that's also part of what makes some of the things forgettable. It's kind of like, well, I don't really understand. There's some cool stuff going on, but none of it's really explained. But I did enjoy some of the, the, all of that aspect, you know, the, these, I think there was a, a moment when Thor even took the, um, Bifrost. Uh, I think it's when he takes Jane first back to Jotunheim. You mean Asgard. And they're standing close enough to clip like part of a car well then they get there and you see the bumper of the car kind of go skidding across the screen as soon as they show up so it kind of went in the bifrost with them and so there were a lot of little details and little cool things like that that i thought were fun now is it you know the most memorable movie probably not but there is to me a lot of development that happens here that does kind of set up many of the other things that happen later in the mcu you know for one thing loki dies again well how many times does loki die in the mcu does anybody kept track? like three and a half 
Mm, I don't know. But yeah, I think he is one of those characters that's guilty of a lot of false deaths. Yeah. It was a, a redeeming death, right? It's part of kind of how we end up with a Loki that we can have the Loki TV series for. You don't get that character without going through the events of this movie. And so I think in some ways I probably, that's probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed it more was kind of being on the tail end and having gone through all of Endgame and gone through the now uh, Loki TV series and things like that. I, I think I can appreciate it more. I think I got off topic there, Todd, sorry, but I did enjoy the science. Uh, yeah, and I think that's one of the things that I kept forgetting is, okay, what is actually causing all this stuff? And I had to keep reminding myself, oh, that's right. It's because of the convergence. It's because of the lining up of the nine realms. And while I didn't think to write it down uh, ahead of time, something that I was writing down while you guys were talking was that this movie does a pretty good job of explaining at least some of the nine realms. Uh, our Dark Elves are from one of the Nine Realms. Uh, we actually learned that Hogan, one of the Warriors Three, is from one of them. I think it's the one called Vanaheim. And a few others are mentioned. So it does help to kind of develop this cosmic aspect of the MCU. Uh, so it does go a little bit deeper there. And uh, then we get a little bit of the explanation of the convergence from, from Odin. And granted, that's one of those moments where we're kind of just given some, um, some exposition. But it's kind of neat in a way because I think he's reading from a book that has moving pictures. It almost looks like something out of Harry Potter. Uh, so there are some neat moments in the, in the movie where uh, they kind of do a, a good job of embellishing things and developing things and giving you little clues and nuggets here and there. And so, yes, while maybe one of the faults of this movie is that the plot isn't that great and even the villain isn't that great, but like you say, it's kind of neat for the little moments and details and, and developments that it gives you along the way. So are there any other moments of uh, either world development, world building, or character development that you guys want to highlight, good or bad? Uh, if not, I thought of one also while you guys were talking that I can bring up if, if one of you guys don't mention it first. I do want to point out one. The first time I watched it, I kind of almost just completely ignored it. But watching it again, did either of you pay attention to the fight scene between the Dark Elf, Malekith, and Frigga? This was a heck of a cool... I, this, like, we got to see that Frigga is pretty bad. I mean, she's, like, not bad as in evil, but, like, badass. I mean, she kicked butt. Yeah. And it was like really kind of cool. And it took me a moment. I was like, what? And it makes sense, but it's something that, that we don't see very much of. And we don't think about, you know, we don't, you know, she's the queen. She's in the background, you know, she's just kind of there worried about Odin and, and uh, Thor and, and Loki as the mom and the, the wife. But she, trounced Malachi after, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> just trounced him. Uh, the only thing that saved him was uh, the, the, oh shoot, the creature thing that was played by the character that nobody could pronounce. What would they call him? The Scourge or Ruins? or mm, Yeah, I don't remember. At first, his name is Algrim. After his transformation, he's named Curse, spelled with a K. The actor's name is Adewale Akinue Ogbaje. He played Mr. Echo on the TV show Lost. Yeah, he stepped in and uh, was the only reason. And then, you know, her death and what kind of impact that had on everybody. I thought that was great. That whole that whole scene playing out the, from the fight to, you know, Thor coming in to all the way up to Thor being able to see loki in his real reaction to her death um to me was was probably the part of the, one of the best parts of the movie 
Okay, so yeah, you, you did bring it up. And in case it's a little bit late now, but sometimes in our reviews, we do go over spoilers. So that was obviously a, a big one, the right. death of Frigga. But yeah, I thought that was a major thing. And here's the bad thing. When we first saw this in theaters, I think I might have dozed off during that part. And so I kind of shook myself out of it, got alert, and I was like, holy crap, what happened? His mom died? Uh, so anytime that I have watched this again, I've tried to pay attention to that part. And you're right. I, while the exact fight moves that she uses, is, is, is those are not fresh in my mind at the moment. Uh, I, I do remember that, yeah, it was cool to see her defend herself. I mean, she is uh, an Asgardian too. So, of course, she can defend herself and fight, and it was cool to see that. And I wish we had seen more of her because I also like that actress. Um, but, yeah, it was a major thing. And, yes, we see Thor react to it, but it's also interesting to see Loki have – just as much, if not stronger, a reaction to it. And if I remember correctly, he kind of tries to hide it a little bit, but then he can't hide it. And because he's magical like his mom, uh, he's able to just use force to kind of wreck his his room that he's in and everything. Uh, and he tries to use an illusion to make it look like he's not upset. And then when the illusion comes down, you can tell that he's just frazzled. Uh, and understandably so. Uh, he also, you know, has a lot of resentment toward Odin, but you can tell that he does not have that same resentment toward Frigga. And so that's, again, more character development that we get in this movie, more complexity of character. Um, and it is kind of nice. And I mean, not nice that she dies, but it's nice to see that development and, and to get those different sides uh, of Loki, even though I guess because of this nutty plot that we keep talking about that is in some ways not great and not very memorable uh ends up stealing some of the attention from these things uh but you know you've got to have an excuse for action in, in this type of movie but the character moments are, are are definitely pretty good uh also the way that she uh defends jane and i think she starts off saying you know jane listen to exactly what i say because she knows that she's going to get attacked and she knows how to uh, fate the guy out. In fact, I think, doesn't she use an illusion to make it look like he has yep. attacked Jane or killed Jane, but it's really just an illusion. And so the real Jane is actually okay or something like that. So Frigga is not only strong, but she's really smart too. So yeah, it, it's those nice little elements of, uh, of this movie that, that are definitely some redeeming qualities. And in a way, I kind of wish we'd gotten, more of that and that it weren't so overshadowed by these other not great elements. Andrew, we've rambled for a while. Do you have anything about character development or just redeeming moments? No, not really. <laughs> but... So going a little bit on the comedic side, what did everybody think about the intern herself having her own intern? That was funny. Yeah. yeah. Overall villain, overall plot, very weak interactions between the characters though were what drove this movie you know we've already talked about loki and, and kind of his development all of the characters from you know the interns and the interns intern and it's all those little moments you know they're throwing things in the little portal that drops down the staircase and she looks at, give me your shoe and and she takes his shoe and throws it through to sit you, and he's like wanting to do it so he throws in the the keys and she goes did you just throw the car keys in and it, they didn't come back and it was like oh man and i think that's part of the the toughness of this movie is jane actually finds those things later when she's kind of part of this battle and stuff that's going on and it, and it kind of opens up her eyes as to part of what's going on with these teleports through the world and wormholes and things like that. But then you also have all of Thor's buddies. You know, he's having to recruit them to do this big plot, to break Loki out, to be able to get free. Um, and he's doing it to save the whole realm because they have to get Jane Foster, who is in fested with this ether off the planet or off the plane and all of his buddies are like willing to help him but every one of them basically puts a sword to loki's throat and is like if you betray him 
I'm going to kill you. You know, he, he's, yeah. he's like, oh, there's going to be a line. It's like, I know if I betray him, they're going to, you're going to kill me. And you know, every single one of them, you know, but to me that shows their, their interaction, their, 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 you know, their care for Thor and all that's going on. And they're willing to, to help him and willing to even go against, you know, their King, even Heimdall, you know, he's like, I can't do much, but he like calls Odin to the, to the, um, Bifrost bridge kind of thing. And it's like, why am I here? And it's like, Oh, I have to tell you that there's, you know, you've been betrayed. It's like by me. And it's like, Oh man, the whole reason you got me here was to get me out of the, you know, the other place. So the fact that even Heimdall would, uh, if I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that right or not, yeah, was willing to participate and help out was, uh, I thought was cool. And everybody was willing to, 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 kind of do their thing uh you know you mentioned the warriors three the the three friends of thor one of them was kind of a a new casting in the first movie i think it was played by i think if i remember correctly josh dallas who was a main cast member of uh oh whatever that tv show was once upon once upon a time uh, but in this movie, he was replaced by Zachary Levi. And Zachary Levi, of course, is from uh, Chuck. He also plays Shazam in the Shazam movie, uh, the one that's been out, the one that's coming out in a few months. And he also makes a great guest at Dragon Con. Uh, so I thought he was kind of a, a welcome recasting there. Uh, and he, he does make a, a pretty good uh, friend to Thor. So, yeah, just kind of wanted to mention that one little piece of trivia. But then, Dave, you were asking a question about, I think, the, what was it, oh, the, was just, the three friends? I was just asking if any of that camaraderie and, and interactions, you know, rang anything with Andrew as he was watching this or if he was sleeping through those parts. Yeah, I slept through that part. <laughs> I woke up when they started Throwing lightning at each other, pretty much. I'm trying. I'm trying to decide if there's anything else we can dig out of this movie, or even if this cuts the uh, review short. If we should just move on to uh, lightning round. Uh, there's not much to say about this movie. I I'm sorry. Like this movie, and I still, yeah, I know. I just, I don't have much to say about it. it it's very unusual. I, sometimes when we don't have some much to say about a movie, it's because we don't like it. And this time, it's like, I like it. It's just, eh. So, uh, Dave, you've kind of been our saving grace along the way. Do you have anything major you want to talk about, or should we actually go to lightning around a little bit early? I can see why this movie doesn't resonate with people who are going to wanting to go see Thor throw lightning and and fists because there's actually only a a couple of really big fights in it. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of get the, the foreshadowing, there's the history, there's the, the fight that happens kind of in the past. And then we get to the present. One of the biggest questions I left with this movie and I think it's one of the reasons why it falls short in so many ways is did anybody understand what this ether is supposed to be to the infinity stones? You know, they kind of even say, you know, there were these ancient artifacts and while most of them were in the form of stones, the ether was fluid and, and this, that, the other, but it, it never made any sense what it really was and i think that's part of the issue with the movie it's what happens when you mix all the gatorade flavors together <laughs> i thought about it a few minutes ago and then forgot about it and then remembered again and then i thought i'll mention it during lightning round so as you were asking that question i was typing something into my notes about that that i was going to mention during lightning round uh yeah it is a little bit confusing that we see the ether be almost liquid like in this movie it is technically one of the infinity stones. It's the reality stone. And I think in most of the other MCU installments, we see it in stone form, but here it's more of a liquid. And I think it's because it can go back and forth, but yeah, it's almost like this was just early enough in the infinity stone saga that 
I think we'd been introduced to a few of the Infinity Stones, but we didn't have all of them, and I'm not even sure they were being called Infinity Stones yet. So the Ether was almost like its own thing, and then later it was established as being an Infinity Stone. Uh, so, yeah, it is a little bit confusing, um, but I guess it, it might be that, it, that it's really like that in the comics. I'm not sure. Uh Andrew, you're our resident comics expert, so I don't know whether you would uh, have the answer for that or not. But I guess the, it had to be liquid in order to go inside of somebody. So, Andrew, do you have any insight on that about where this comes from in the comics? Not really. I always thought it was just the reality stone and the stones were just stones. And that's all I've ever seen them as. But in this one, it... Almost, it, it was just liquid in this one, like it was floating around. But then I can't remember. But wasn't there like one scene where like this Asgardian dwarf gave it to like the collector or something? Yeah, they do. At the, there's a post credit scene where they take a stone and give it to the collector, and that is the one I think later on, and and as the the plot develops over the rest of the MC universe that we do find the reality stone is the one that's there. And I think that was part of what was supposed to be the, the tip off that that was the reality stone, but they never, I guess it would have been, it would have been nice to have a scene where we kind of see maybe that transformation or something, something happens and it gets bottled and it becomes a stone. I don't know, but it, 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 that didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I, and I think that was part of why this movie was a little tough to kind of follow at times. Cause it's like, okay, in some ways, it, I don't know how it would have played out differently if it was just a stone and maybe she touched the stone and that's why it took over and was making Jane Foster have to pass out. Um, I mean, we've seen what can happen when, you know, a normal person comes in contact with an infinity stone. Todd, you're the only one that's seen love and thunder. Does this, is this mm -hmm. come into play at all with no, her no. plot line? No. Uh, uh, no, I think that's disappointing. Cause that would have made, I don't know. I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, in some ways, sometimes we see these repercussions kind of keep echoing, for in you know future movies um so it would have been nice if that was part of the reason that some of the things that happened to her in the future and and all things with love and thunder maybe come to pass or or, or develop but if that's not a tie-in then i guess we'll have to say why not <laughs> to i guess that's kevin feige dude what you doing man come on <laughs> um but that's all I've got. So we're, we're probably ready for a lightning round. If you want to Tom. Yeah. Despite all of our flailing and saying, I really don't have that much to say. We still filled 42 minutes. So yeah, we're legitimately at the mark of lightning round. So let's go ahead to that. Lightning round. So let's roll for initiative. 18. Oh crap. I don't want your first don't worry, Tom. I got you with the 20. Hang on. Let me find my dice. Okay, so I got 18. Andrew, you said you got 20? No, I got a 5. I was hoping I, for a 20. Oh, okay. I got 19. Out, but five. I did not get a 20. So, Dave, you go first. Oh, all righty. I'm not sure. I don't know that I have a whole lot more to add, but we'll try. Okay. And go. I think the thing to take out of this one is sometimes in the MCU, you have to take your expectations out of it and kind of come in from a different angle. And that's tough because we kind of know what we want in a superhero movie. And we want to see lots of clobbering and smashing and saving the you know, people and saving the damsel in distress. But uh, sometimes it's about development and the characters and the people around you. Oh, man. You know, Dave, I said the exact same thing about Moon Knight. That's crazy. Yeah, but the people around him was the same person. It was all one person with five personalities. 
<laughs> yeah, but at least those personalities were interesting, unlike the characters. No, the they movie. really weren't. Uh, <laughs> they didn't no. do uh, anything. <laughs> no, and, and, and nothing about Moon Knight made a lick of sense either. Okay. I'm next. I understood the ether better than I understood Moon Knight. <laughs> okay, I'm next. Ready and go. I like when Thor hangs up his hammer on the coat rack. Uh, it's a huge convenience that one of the portals was right where Jane needed to be to get back home, uh, including finding the car keys. Uh, Greenwich, three stops from, or excuse me, yeah, three, uh, uh, Greenwich, three stops from Charing Cross, you've got to be kidding me. First of all, you've got to take the northern line to get across uh, Thames River to Waterloo. Then you've got to take the Jubilee uh, East. Uh, somewhere along the way, you've got to take the DLR. It, there, there's no way, it's more, way more than three stops. I mean, Greenwich is way on the east side of London. Time. Okay. I totally messed that part up. Can we just redo this whole episode? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> We can just redo the whole thing. It'll only take five or ten minutes. Uh, okay, Andrew, you ready? <laughs> sure. And go. One plus two plus two plus one. No, it's one plus one plus two plus one. <sighs> Come on, Todd. Crack a smile, buddy. I have nothing to say about this movie. 13 seconds. Literally nothing. I, I, I can't think of a single thing to say. The elves were kind of yeah. ugly. That's it. Yeah. I did not right. like the elf costumes. Two, I will say that. Yeah, they were, they were pretty ugly. They were, I don't know. The costumes didn't make any sense for See, the dark elves. They just, I, I don't know. I Who, just, whoever chose that um, wardrobe or costuming, I, I was not a fan. I feel like a main antagonist should be at least somewhat intimidating. And when I saw the Dark Elves, I just, I, eh, no, it didn't work. Okay, so I guess now we'll move on to ratings. Ratings. It's going to be really weird this time, too. And let's go with the same order okay. that we did for Lightning Round. So Dave, you're up first. This is a tough one because, like I said, you know, in a superhero movie, the villain is very important. They're what carry the action. And I think in some ways there were a couple of villains in this one. You kind of had the Dark Elves, but then the Ether itself was supposed to be a villain. And I thought that was kind of weird. And, and so it makes the movie a little all over the place. That being said... There is a lot of fun to be had watching a Thor movie. I am learning to enjoy the humor in Thor. And it's different than the humor in an Iron Man. And it's different than the humor in a Spider-Man. And I think it took me a little while to, to really kind of grasp what that little bit of edge is in the Thor humor. Um, but the more I watch them, the more they're growing on me. So it's still kind of towards the bottom of most of the MCU, but it still gets an eight out of 10. It's fun to watch and, oh, wow. and I would watch it again. Um, you know, I think it was one that I hadn't gone out of my way to watch since we had watched it when it first came out. But uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've watched it twice and enjoyed it both times. So I would had to kind of rate it on that. And I'm next and I kind of have a similar viewpoint. I mean, there's nothing spectacular about this movie, but despite all of our flaws and me saying it's forgettable and what we said about the not great uh, villain and the forgettable plot and everything, it's still somehow not terrible. And in fact, it's kind of good, just not great. So I give it a letter grade of a B. Admittedly, it is kind of a low B. It's almost a B minus. But I still rank it 40th out of the 72 movies that we've seen so far that we've either reviewed or, or will be reviewing soon. So it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, so, Andrew, what do you got? It's definitely a movie. Um, it is forgettable. I wouldn't say it's horrible, though. Um, it kind of rates almost national treasure level for me, which I know I ragged on that movie a lot, but it's just, it's 
a forgettable movie and I just don't have any rewatch value in it and I don't like it and it's fine I guess but I ended up going with a 70 right on the dot okay all right that that's um, fair all right so now we need to pick what portal we're going to walk through and we still don't have a name for this segment I, we really need to get on the ball with that uh, the portal, uh, we don't have a name for this segment and I don't have my spreadsheet pulled up. I mean, w- wow, we're really out of practice. It's uh, a lot so while you pull up the, dice ready. If you will, while you pull up the spreadsheet and Andrew gets the dice ready, I will encourage our listeners to let us know what you think of Thor: The Dark World. We want to hear your feelings. Um, did you fall more with in line with Andrew? Nothing redeeming about this movie, but it's still okay. Um, or were you more in line with uh, Todd and I and think that, you know, there was definitely some things there and it was fun. We want to hear. You can email us at discerninggeeks at gmail.com. You can also interact with us on our Facebook page, the Discerning Geeks portal, and on Twitter at Discerning Geeks. The other thing we're going to ask that you do is rate our podcast maybe not on this episode but on no i'm just kidding <laughs> um yeah this is yeah. a rough one folks sorry about that <laughs> rate our podcast let, it, let other people know that we're out there and that we're reviewing these movies and talking about things that you enjoyed us talking about and that way we can move up the the charts and more people know that we're there Leave comments on all your pod chasers of choice. Uh, we're on iTunes, everywhere you can uh, find a podcast, we're there. And we would love to hear your opinions. All right, Todd, our portal of destiny. I think that's the name. Maybe not. Um, Andrew, are you ready to roll? Slow. I'm still getting there. And find out what portal we're jumping through next. Our podcast is slow tonight. The internet's slow tonight, man. I'm slow tonight. Is there anything not slow tonight? While Todd is pulling this up, I'd like to talk about a very serious issue. And it's concerning the Dark Elves. See, I want to push the message that not all Dark Elves are evil. Okay. It is an extreme stereotype and bias against the Dark Elves to only picture them as an evil antagonist that tries to steal red goop and conquer nine realms or something. Not all Dark Elves are bad. Well, I think that's the other CBS thing that didn't make a we whole care. lot of sense is they wanted to like put the nine realms back into darkness, and it's like what does that mean? We're just not going to have any light anymore. Everything we're just bumping around in the dark. Bonk. <laughs> it's like, what does that, what does that even mean? We're going back to the darkness. Uh, okay. Um, I don't understand. Yeah, what was it? Pre big bang darkness. Yeah. I, Is that I don't know. I am still trying to pull up this stupid spreadsheet. Any day now. I can feel myself growing older. Oh my gosh. Okay, finally. Oh my goodness. Such a finely oiled machine you have in this podcast. Oh wow. Half of our podcast was pulling up the spreadsheet. Please be one of my picks. 44. 44. 44. Oh, no, it's one of Dave's, and it is another showdown. We're never going to get to any TV stuff. Oh, my this showdown, God. Oh, no. And uh, I kind of have mixed feelings about this showdown. It's Armageddon versus Deep Impact. Uh, yeah. uh, why? This was kind of the reason that we wanted to do showdowns was almost these two movies. Yeah. Was there- <laughs> Asteroids. Are coming and gonna hit the earth, and we're all gonna die. In one, you have these people who are gonna land on it, blow up some nukes in it, and try to shatter it, and that's gonna save us. In the other one, they train 
drill people to go and be astronauts and drill and put a nuke in it and blow it up and save us all. So, yeah, we got these very similar plots. Yeah, asteroids are coming. Somebody's got to land on them, blow them up, and they have a lot of stuff that they have to contend with along the way. Well, let me look real quick. I want to I want to actually set this up with a Rotten Tomatoes score. Have either of you seen both of these movies? I know Todd has. I've seen Armageddon once. It was a long time ago. And I've seen uh, Deep Impact probably more than once, but it might be another one of those types of movies where I've seen bits and pieces several times to kind of make a multiple viewing, but not necessarily from beginning to end. Armageddon on Rotten Tomatoes gets a 38% from the critics, a 73% audience score. Just kind of keep those numbers, 38 and 73%. And then we have Deep Impact. And both of these movies came out the same year, 1998 gets 45% from the critics, so just slightly better, and a 43% mm. audience score. Almost half the audience score for for Deep Impact um, between these what? two blowing up the earth. <laughs> well, we got a whole that, episode. That, that really surprised me. <laughs> yeah, I know. We got a whole episode to talk about it. <laughs> Andrew, have you seen either of these? Hmm. Nope. Just like always, never seen a movie in my life. All right. So you get the fresh first impression with me. Okay. I almost want to figure out a way that we can, Todd and I can record our predictions of which one Andrew's going to like better. If only there was a game show uh, for them. If only. How can we do that, Todd? Mm-hmm. How can we? How can? Okay. So you and I are going to get on later and we're going to record our predictions of which one Andrew is going to like. And then we'll, we'll splur- put it in to our episode when we record our showdown or our verses. Oh, it won't be at the end of this episode then? No, no, no. Um, Okay. Or we could. Uh, we'll see. I just don't want Andrew to know before beforehand. Okay. It'll be a secret to him what we predicted and why. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. A little twist on the, the versus episode. Todd, take us out. I think we've about wrapped up this episode. Yep. There's nothing left to say. And apparently there wasn't too much to say in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> So, everybody, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, Be well. Be safe. Try to be more prepared if you have your own podcast. And continue to enjoy whatever makes you a discerning geek. I had a blast, guys. Thanks for recording and for watching the movie. Except for Andrew, who slept too hard. May the force be with you better than it was with us tonight. (laughs) Always. And I'm sorry. And I can't find the stop button. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lordy, Joanna's going to be all over this episode. No, I'd rather pretend this episode didn't happen and that I'm on the beach somewhere not doing voiceover for you bozos. All right, guys, we need 24 hours to cleanse after this one. This is bad. All right, we're done. We're out. Bye.